Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And I have a guest with me today that I've been wanting to interview for a long time. And we finally gotten together. Uh, his name is Andre Chiazon. He's from Western Canada. He's in British Columbia, which is the California of Canada, uh, he tells me. And I just, I love his uh, comments and his posts on Facebook. And I'm so, so delighted that we can finally get together. So Andre, welcome. Yeah, thank you, Paul. And good morning to you and to everybody out there. It is morning for you. It's afternoon for me, but... Uh, Correction, yeah. Yeah, it's past, it's past noon. It's one seventeen here, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever people listen to this, of course, it's uh, any time of the day uh, for them. But I'm so delighted to be with you. We had a nice chat a few days ago and set up this time for our interview. And uh, Andre, as, as I always like to start out with our guests, start out with the question as... How has your growing understanding of God's unconditional love and grace and inclusion, how's that affected you in your day-to-day relationships, your wife, your friends, your co-workers and things like that, uh, as we say, where the rubber hits the road? How's it affected your relationships? Well, in many, many ways, but for me, it all has to do with inclusion and also having the guilt trip removed from your own self-consciousness. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people, a lot of our listeners, you know, that are there, I grew up with this idea of heaven and hell, and uh, God is more a judge than a father, distant judge, you know, and, and his acceptance based on your performance. So that's the kind of God uh, that I came to know growing up. And uh, when I went through the, the real gospel, I call it, I became conscious of the all-inclusiveness of who God is, like in relation to humanity, and that there's no outside group, like everybody's on the inside, it changed everything. Of course, we know with my wife, with my friend, with my families, but even even with strangers, like if I'm in a lineup at the grocery store, I look at somebody in front of me, and it doesn't matter like who they are, I become totally conscious that they are part of that family. You know, like they may not know about it, but they're human being created in the image and likeness of God, and they also are included in Christ, whether they know it or not. The only difference between them and I is I came to a place where I became conscious of this and I know it, but they don't yet. But that doesn't make them outsiders because they don't know. Like they're just part of this big heavenly family, you know, just like like, like everyone else. And of course, that will change on how I relate to them, how I treat them, because now it's like, they're my brothers and sisters, right? And so it, obviously that's how you view them. You view them as a new creation. Whether they are awakened to that reality or not, it's irrelevant. They are a new creation. They are part of the body of Christ, you know? And I was brought up through the evangelical movement that the body of Christ is only those that said the 
magic prayer and that are church goers and all these things that are the body of Christ. But the body of Christ is universal. The body of Christ is humanity. Yeah. It's all of humanity, isn't it? And that, to me, Andre, is the telltale sign that people really have a grasp of God's unconditional love and and grace and inclusion. When, when we start seeing other people uh, as Christ does, seeing them all as brothers and sisters, all in the family of God, uh, all in the body of Christ. And uh, oh, gosh, it just it, it changes everything for the better. And uh, I don't even like to look back at how I used to think. I mean, I, I know there's no judgment from God there, but I, I sure like things a lot better the way that they are with, with the understanding that we have now. Yeah. Well, even people that, that you would really dislike in the natural, you know, and then there's always people like this that, you know, that have the neck to rub you the wrong way, you know. And those people, when I look at them, I figure, well, they're just not conscious of who they are. But regardless of, of whether they're conscious of who they are or not, that's who they are. They're sons and daughters of God. They're a new creation, and they have not awakened to that reality yet. And how could I treat them in the wrong way? You know, like, like when the Lord spoke to, to, to Paul on, on the Damascus Road, and he says, like, why are you persecuting me? You know, mm. because there's no duality. It's like humanity is one with Christ yeah. in, the, in the divine glorified humanity of Christ. There's only one reality and that's, that's, that's the, the life of Christ, you know, humanity and divinity has become one. And so you, you can never unsee this when you finally see that. No, you can't. There's no going back, no desire to go back. Well, Andre, I know, uh, I don't know all of your story, but I know some of it because you were kind enough to tell me and the, it's a very unique story. If you would, tell us about your life, especially uh, with your family, uh, where they came from, how they ended up in the part of the country that you're in now, and then kind of how your life got started and where that led to. Well, the first place where I grew up was a tiny little village, maybe, I don't know, a couple of thousand people. Well, it was all Roman Catholic. We didn't have any knowledge of all the stuff we think about the gospel. Well, even, even to this day, I don't even know, because it's, Basically, most of the Don Eastern Canada, like if you get into the Maritime, it's basically a strong Roman Catholic stronghold, right? And when I grew up, I grew up, like I said in our earlier conversation, uh, going to the Roman Catholic Mass. And in my days, it was still in Latin, you know, like I didn't understand anything. So it was just ritual. You got up, you sang some songs, and you sit down, and you kneel down, and you got up, and you sit down. It's like it was like just this ritual. So that's where I grew up as far as the religious side of it. I grew up in a big family. Uh, there was eight kids. I was the last of the boys. So I had five boys in a row, and then there was three girls. So I was the youngest ah. of the boys. Ah. And so... I don't know. I used to think that by the time I get to the fifth boy, they were really looking for a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and there come another boy, the fifth one, right? Yeah. And I've always thought that uh, that might have been one of the reasons, many reasons why me and my dad didn't get along, you know. Uh -huh. But of course, my dad was a veteran of the last world war, so he had lots of trauma from the war. And and when he had problem with alcohol and when he was younger, big family, no money to raise them. So, so he was dealing with all these demons, right, from the mm -hmm. war and everything. But having the fifth boys, 
it was probably like, hey, like you wanted a girl. And so there was lots of abuse, physical abuse, not sexual abuse, but physical abuse when I was growing up in, in that context. Because I think if you go into a war and you fight for your life, you know, and you fear for your life every day, it had to have a tremendous impact, you know, on you emotionally, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm not even blaming my dad, which in later life, our relationship actually got restored and, and gradually grew grew out of this, you know, by the grace of God. Ah. Yeah. But all of this, you say this is not like poor me, it's just to, it shaped my perception of the world and my perception of fatherhood. Because when you say God is a father, to me, that didn't really mean much because the kind of father that I had, it was not a good image. Mm. And so... That was my earliest perception of God is that he was a judge. And if he was not a judge, but he was also a father, well, even that didn't really do anything for me because the kind of father I had, you know, he was like somebody that would beat me up. And so that's where I came from as far as my background. Later on, I discovered the true perception of God, but that came later on in life. So your family then moved from Eastern Canada to Western Canada, where you are now? Oh, no, I moved on my own. Oh, you moved on your own. Ah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I lived in Montreal for a few years. Basically, when you grow up in this kind of familial dysfunction, religious dysfunction, your whole perception of yourself, of the world, of God, it's, it's all screwed up, right? And so I got into drugs when I was younger. And these were the days, like, you know, you were smoking weeds and you were doing acid and all those things, like the crazy six days and seven days, right? And uh, so I live in Montreal for a while. And uh, actually, the way I came to Kelowna was in 1979, I hiked across the country from Montreal. And it wasn't a month of March. It was still winter. Oh. And, I, and I, got, I, got, I got here in, in Kelowna in June of 79, and I never left. You know? And when oh. I got here, I got introduced to the Born Again movement. <laughs> the evangelical movement, you know, and I thought I had found it because you got to realize I came from a Catholic background. So I thought, you know, like this is the real deal, you know. And so I went to, I started to attend church, you know, like with the people that had led me to the Lord. And after a few Sundays, I became aware that everything was repeating itself, you know, like a recycle of the same thing Sunday after Sunday, you know. And because I was spiritually hungry, I was reading the scripture, and I could also see two different realities, you know. What I saw in the scripture, what those people in the early church lived, was like a major contrast with, with the reality that I saw in the church, you know. And I, and I, I mean, I understand there's a couple of thousand years that separate the two, but still, you would think it's, it should be this, this, still the same Christianity, still the same gospel. So how can it be so different? You know, And that really bothered me. But I just followed along the bandwagon. And I was in the evangelical church movement for at least 20 years. And as it says in the scripture, when the storm of life come, and they, and they do, that house, which is my life, was not built on a relation, a true relationship with God. It was built on Sunday religion. So I came out of one religion and jumped into another one, but it was still religion. Yeah. 
And so I had a major crash. I got into a hard drug, a lot worse than when I was in the six days and seven days. I got into cocaine and all this and became homeless for at least five years. You know? That was at the bottom of that manure pile that I, I found God, actually. I didn't find God in the church. I found him on the street in the back alleys of Kelowna. And homeless in Western Canada, it was, it was cold in the winter, wasn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, it's cold, you had to make do, you know. Did that affect your health? I mean, did you? Oh yeah, by the time I came out of that lifestyle, I was uh, about 145 pounds. I'm 6'1 now, and that's like talking about 16 years ago. Now I'm 6'1, 200 pounds. Back then, I was about 145 pounds because I was in a 24-7 habit. You don't sleep, you don't eat, you know, all what you're doing is that you're looking for the next high, right? So how do you stay warm? I even slept in a recycling bin between uh, tons of cardboard, you know, between cardboard just to keep myself warm, you know. Wow. So in the middle of all this, that's when I asked myself, because I had enough religion to remember the scripture that says God is love. Right? So where is that? How does that fit in that picture where I was at, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's like I figure I'm missing something here. Something is not adding up. Because I tried the so-called born-again movement. You know, I was in churches. I was a faithful churchgoer. I quit smoking. I quit drinking. I was doing all the right thing, reading my Bible, going to Bible study, midweek meetings, whatever, right? But it was never really relational. It was something we did on Sunday. But it didn't really, except for a small case, because church can be cliquish too, right? You have little small group that, you know, that, that do get together. But as a whole... The only relationship I had with all these people, and it's probably the same for all them that go there. I'm not even blaming them, right? Because that's the evangelical format that we have. In the early church movement, the way I read and understand it, they were meeting from home to home, and it was relational, right? But what I had was, I go to church on Sunday, I meet you at the foyer, hi, shake hand, you know, few exchange a few little pleasantry, go to the service. Jump around for a little while, get the sermon, pass the offering, go back home and do the same thing next Sunday, right? So that's not reality. So when I was in the middle of this manure pile on the street, I asked God, is, is that all what there is? You know, it has to be more than that. And so I was so sick and tired of religion, you know, but I was still, because it's all in, in each one of us, I was hungering for reality. So... I was basically having this conversation with God. It says, like, if you don't become real in my life, I will die here, you know? And so I basically, basically asked God, like, you have to become a reality. And I don't want to go back there. I don't want to go back into religion. I'm sick and tired of it. I don't want that anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that was the beginning of my spiritual journey back then. It started actually on the street. It didn't start in the church. Uh, it's almost like I had to lose what I had in order to get what I was supposed to have. So did you hear God speak to you? Did he tell you? What did he tell you? Oh, I didn't hear words. Like I said to you, like when we were talking, you know, last time we had a conversation, but it was a very, very strong impression. Like it was almost like audible word is that because I was asking like, what, what is wrong with this picture? Your love. But I don't see any love here, you know. So what is it that I'm missing? And it's like God seemed to say to me, well, maybe 
your perception of me is all wrong. Maybe the God that you think you, you know it doesn't even exist, right? So maybe you have to come to really know who I am the way I am. And so that was the beginning because I knew that the goods that I was given by what I call church unity, you know, North American church unity was not reality. That was not what Christ came to die for, you know. He said he, he came that we might have life and might have it abundantly. Then he came that we might have Sunday church, right? <laughs> and and uh, so I knew that I didn't know nothing. That's basically mm -hmm. it. All what I had was, was religious knowledge, right? And so that was my mission, you know, because I said, because if I don't, I knew if I didn't find God, that I would die. I would die on the street because I was a drug addict 24-7. I was addicted on crack cocaine, didn't eat, didn't sleep. I couldn't quit the thing. And uh, I didn't know all these church people. I didn't know them. You know, it's like a, they, I just knew them on Sunday. So there was nobody there to help me. The only place to turn was God. And uh, I uh, basically, uh, like I said in the earlier conversation, I went to sign myself in a drug and alcohol rehab program. But that was not because I had any faith in the program. I was not going there to get saved by the program. I was just going there to get off the street. Because if I didn't get off the street, I would die. You know, I knew that for sure. So I went on a program. And funny thing, while I was in the program, there was somebody working in the kitchen that was going through exactly the same thing as I was going through. She, was, she had never been in, the, in, the, in a drug scene and on the street, but she was also going the same thing with not finding reality in religion. Mm -hmm. And that's my present-day wife that I met. She was a quick at that mission. Mm -hmm. <laughs> quite a, quite a story. It's not like I went there and, oh, like... Like somebody, oh, well, it's just like you, you met a good wife and she got you off the street. I know she, she never did that because I was already on a mission to find God because I knew if I didn't find God, I would die. Because the problem when you chase something on the outside, not just people on the street, like if you're, you see, as a drug addict, I knew I wasn't free, but I knew I wasn't free even before I was a drug addict because like I mentioned in our earlier conversation, if you're afraid, if you live with fear, you're not free. So if you have fear of death, fear of sickness, fear of losing loved one, fear of not having enough finance to pay the rent, whatever fears that are out there, right? all those fears, if you live with them, you cannot see that you're a free person. And so I knew I wasn't free on the inside. I knew there was no divine reality of God on the inside. And then I knew that's what I needed because I figured all the outside is fixed from the inside, not the other way around. If I fix all the outside of my life and I get off the street and I got a job and I got a wife and all this, then I'll be free. But I had, <laughs> I had been long enough around that I knew that this was all, was all an illusion. Mm -hmm. I knew that I had to get fixed from the inside. And so when I got into the mission, I was, to pardon the point, I was on a mission, you know. <laughs> I had to find God's reality. And so I wasn't looking for a wife because I, I knew that would just be a cop-out, you know, because that's, that's not what I needed. I needed to find God. And my wife was in the same boat. She had lots of bad relationship, and she wasn't looking for a husband. She was tired of religion, and she wanted to find the reality of God. And somehow God in his own 
mysterious week at work all this around and and we started to gravitate with shit and and there was just like like make a story short god was in the middle of this he, he made it happen so i was in looking for a wife but i got a wife <laughs> yeah. ah, he works all things together for our good doesn't he he really does that was just the beginning of a, a very long journey it, it took me you know like i've been with this luck for 12, 15 years. Well, the first few years of my life, of my married life, I didn't know much about the grace message, but I was on the beginning of that journey, you know, because mm. the, the only thing that I had was I knew that what I had was not right. Yeah. Like that Sunday religion. Was, well, and so so it was a, it was an unfolding of the truth of the gospel, but that, that took several years to, to begin to open sure. up. Well, you know what? Our time is up. I knew it would be. I knew it would go by so quickly for one episode, but we're going to end this episode here. And then you and I will come back and we'll do another one, which our listeners will hear a week later. And they'll see us wearing the same clothes, but it's not like we've slept in them for a week. Uh, Also, I like the idea that all what I've done so far is basically talk mostly about the bad side of the coin. I'd like to talk more now about the good side of the coin. All the good things that happen when you begin to understand who God is. eh? That's exactly what we'll do. Well, we'll look forward to that. I know our our watchers and listeners will too. And before we finish this episode, Andre, tell people uh, how they can connect with you, where they can find you on Facebook and those things. Well, you can just go in the search bar, you know, on Facebook and just type my name, Andre Chiasson. Spelled C-H-I-A-S-S-O-N. You'll see a picture of me and my wife on the pier in White Rock by the ocean there. Picture of me and my wife. And we also have a Facebook group we started a few years ago. It's called Eternal Union, which basically is all about the topic of the union of God and humanity, you know, because of the incarnation and because of Christ, you know, joining himself into our humanity. So that's the topic of Eternal Union. Good. So Eternal Union on Facebook, and then they can find you personally. And I encourage people to do that because that's how I got to know you and interact with you a little bit before we ever met and talked. And I know that there will be a lot of our listeners who will relate to your story and will want to get to know you better. So I encourage people to do that. So, Andre, thank you so much for being here with this episode. Oh, and Thank you. Thank you. And, You're welcome. And as you said, on the next episode, we'll get into the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And thank you, everybody, for listening, for being with us uh, for another episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray. See you all next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.